Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Krister Ungerbach. He is a global communication expert, keynote speaker, and CEO coach who delivers groundbreaking insight for lead high-performance teams, driving leadership development efforts, and maximizing business growth. Hello. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for being here. And so I wish that, you know, people are going to listen to this on the podcast and they're not going to be all looking at us on the video, but I'm telling you, the guy is color coordinated. It's awesome. You have awesome glasses <laughs> that match your, your, your my kind of Dutch glasses. Yes, know. I dig them. And you got this cool colored shirt and then he's wearing colored tennis shoes. So, you know, I am super happy with that because I am such a tennis shoe girl. Well, they'll be able to view the video on the webpage, right? On Facebook. Oh, uh, yeah, on Facebook, Facebook so. exactly. So, if you really so, want to see the orange glasses, <laughs> you came to me via my buddy Laura Jones. Yes. And, and she was just, she's so excited about everything that you're doing. So, yes. tell us. She's been a great supporter. Yeah. She, well, she's pretty cool. We like her. <laughs> she was one of the beta readers for my book, uh, which uh, has just been retitled uh, 22. Well, the working title is 22 Talk Shifts Little, language, little language Changes That Make a Big Difference in business and in life. I like it. So, um, and uh, yeah, I think, she, so she was called, she called me and said that she was, uh, she got to a certain point in the book and she broke down crying on an Aww. airplane when she was with her husband going to Mexico. Oh. So I'm finding that uh, the book he's having, uh, I never would have, I actually never would have imagined uh, that I would write a, a book that would cause people to, that would bring people to tears uh, in a positive way. So it's, right. it's having a big uh, impact and, that was almost a year ago, and so we're. I'm actually. I've got an editor who's written and worked on over 50 New York Times bestsellers, and she's helping me to take the book to a whole new level. Oh, and great! It will be published no matter what next year. <laughs> I was just talking to her this morning, and uh, actually, as soon as I leave here, I'll be talking to her again, and we are going to start rewriting this thing to make it a make it a big deal. So. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, and just when you think it's done it's not it's it feels like and then and then it'll get published you'll go oh i wish i would have now i mean you know then you come out the second edition yeah. you're good <laughs> well it was so it was one of these it's actually you know it's crazy how things happen for a reason you know the book i had a title that i was really excited about uh, probably about a year ago i came up with the title and just um Two months ago, I found out that there was a trademark issue. And I, I did a oh, trademark search, so I have yeah, no idea how we missed this. You can get surprised by that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we had to come up with a new title. And as soon as I, you know, as soon as soon uh, it happened, I wanted to just kind of, you know, crawl in a hole and cry for, you know, uh, maybe so 24, 48 hours. This. Yes. So all, the, all the investment that I've had in that brand and, you know, all the things I was going to have to redo. Uh, but then I knew, you know, this is going to be a blessing in disguise. And, you know, I think that the new the new name is so much more reflective of what it is because it's about shifting perspective using words and, and shifting our own perspective. It's about shifting others' perspective. And, um, and uh, I'm just – there's this – uh, I was just sending an email to my marketing agent, my agent and my agent last night saying that the – I, I can feel the energy, like my energy around this. I, mean, I was telling you, I haven't, I barely slept the yes, last two nights because yes. I've got so much energy around. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the possibility that people are moved to tears in the last version and my energy level around this next version that's coming out is like 
it's sky high compared to what it was a year ago. So what is a talk shift? Give us some examples. So talk shift is, uh, it's, I say it's, it's simple, practical, say this, not that rules gotcha. that help transform or shift frustrating relationships, both at work and at home. Okay. And a lot of it comes from, I was fortunate to, I had to learn to lead in two new languages. Um, certainly after September 11th, I moved to, to Europe. Okay. And uh, I didn't speak French. I didn't speak German. And over the course of six years, I was leading teams and speaking with customers in French and German. And I got really present to the words uh, that I use. And it was, it, it's really a, just a, it's an eye-opening experience to have to learn a new language as an adult. So many people learn languages, right. the second language from their parents when they're, right. it's an unconscious process. And so I had this French teacher who was voted as like the best French business French teacher in all of Europe by the European Wall Street Journal. And uh, I was at a, um, a customer, one of our first customers in France was the Cannes Film Festival, the Palais de Festival de Cannes. Okay. And I thought, I'll go down there and I'll, I, my French is terrible, but I'll go down there and I'll lead this three-day workshop in French. And um, that'll force me to speak. And I did that. Came back. I thought I did a pretty good job. Salesperson called me on Monday, uh, my, the, who reported to me. He said, "Boss, I got a big. Uh, There's a big challenge. The people in Cannes said, don't ever send him back here. His French is terrible.'" <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and so I found this guy. His name was Jean Luc, um, the French teacher. And I was in his home like two weeks later. You know, we're launching a business in France, and if I'm the leader, I can't even. You know, if people want to kick me out, I'm probably gonna have to fix that, right? Yeah. And so a lot of the things with talk shifts were. Um, some lessons like in terms of how he taught me French and how he taught other people uh, French in record time. The talk shifts are kind of leveraged some of the lessons learned uh, that came through that kind of experience of learning a new language. Okay. Um, and then the other part <clears throat> was kind of over the last three years. So I say about three years ago, three and a half years ago now, I had uh, what I say kind of a simultaneous business and uh, personal divorce that was spaced out by like about two weeks. Wow. And, uh, so recovering from that and kind of putting my life back together and all that, um, I took, for the most part, I took about, about three years. Uh, I can't say completely off. I took about a year and a half where I was really just not working at all. And then I'm, but I was this, and this whole time I was really on a, a journey of like, what was I missing? Right. So cause like clearly there's a common denominator here between this business divorce and marital divorce. And uh, I, all of it, it came down to, again, words. Like, I, I realized that in many cases, my heart was in the right place. And, you know, we had driven great success. We'd built a company with hundreds of employees in eight countries. Um, and I think that, you know, it's by most business leaders' standards, I think that I would be considered a fairly successful person. Right. And, uh, but as I said, um, I was not, I realized that, uh, well, for as effective as I was maybe at um, work, uh, I wasn't necessarily in my personal relationships, but also the relationships for people who worked closely with me. Um, there were a lot of those were broken relationships, and I was a big part of that. And uh, so the, the thing that struck me and kind of set me off on this journey was, you know, after this kind of simultaneous uh, business and personal divorce, uh, the... I was reading a lot about divorce. There's mm -hmm. a guy named Dr. John Gottman, who's kind of the foremost researcher on marital relationships and divorce. And he can predict divorce with 90% accuracy after um, wow. observing a couple talking for like very short periods of time, a couple hours. 
And he looks for four specific communication patterns. And what struck me is that those same four communication patterns were present in every single business relationship that was broken in my life. Interesting. So a lot of talk shifts is really about taking things from, it's, it's about taking the best practices and the best research out of the marital and relationship world and applying it to uh, work relationships and taking the best practices in from the business world and applying it to create great families. Which I love this. I mean, I'm really into words and I, and I, and I'm also, I, I, I noticed so the three, I, three I W about, alliteri- alliteration in the beginning. But I talk about relationships first. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of my things is, you know, whatever's going on in business, the the very first thing is the relationship, yeah. right? And so I always, I start with the, like, what is the best thing for the relationship between myself and this other human being, whether it be another business owner or what have you. Um, and if I put relationships first, then I feel like you don't have a bunch of regrets. Then yeah. you're like, you're like thinking of humans. But we're going to, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back because I want to learn more about this. Okay. We'll be right back with Krista. All right, so we are back with Krista Ungerbach. And I, so a few things. First of all, I love that these lessons started coming to you after learning another language. And I, I, I so I went to school in Spain. And oh, that's yeah. how I learned Spanish. But the thing that I was most astonished by was how much I learned about myself and the English language by learning another language, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, and, and then there were feelings, thoughts, what have you, that could be expressed in Spanish that I that I couldn't express really in English without a whole bunch of words around exactly. it. Trying to go, like, here's the feeling. It's kind of like I'm like, but it's not yes. really. I mean, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. I love I love those kind of uh, different phrases like that. But I, I wanted to come back to you. you were talking about the relationships first and whatever. yes, let's talk about and so, that. So when I was CEO before this uh, three years ago, I was the complete opposite. I mean, I was like just yeah, business I I, first. I don't I don't know your kids' names. I don't know your whatever. Like you know, maybe if I was lucky, I would know somebody's kids' name and right. kids' names and things like that. That. And so, to some degree, I think that there's, I think there's probably a, a fair number of successful men and, and probably women as well that, you know, it's all it's all business. And a big part of maybe what I'm hopeful to do is, you know, like what to some degree, um, people like myself. You know, I, I I would look at somebody who's like a relationships first. I remember there was a podcast that I used to listen to called Ma- Manager Tools, and they okay. were talking about it's all about the relationship. And I, I was like, you know, that's BS. Oh, like, whatever. who cares? Give me the give me the <laughs> Let's hard. Let's get tools. to that business, yeah. And that's really what the talk shifts are also somewhat drawn from that because they were they had a very concrete say these words, say this, not that kind of approach. And my intention with talk shifts is, in many respects, is to take. Is is maybe to come from the side of the leader who was the who is the kind of leader who I was, mm-hmm. and help sh- them shift and see the shift that I was unable to see, you know, five ten years ago, um, and and I think that it's uh, the interesting that I thing that I found is that the these talk shifts as I practice them in my own life, uh, it's not something that I just practice at work. I practice with my kids. In fact, right. I, was on a, I was on a big uh, national syndicated radio show yesterday. I was telling my kids last night, I was like, hey, he was asking me about scale of one to 10. And they're like, yeah, you ask us that all the time. And, uh, <laughs> What's scale of one to 10? Oh, so it's one of the talk shifts is uh, when we ask questions, we ask on a scale of one to 10. And um, which is not in and of itself necessarily. But what it, what it does is... Uh, 
is when I say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, you know, how much do you enjoy working together? Or, you know, how is our communication versus saying, do you think we have a good working relationship? What's the answer? Right. Yes, yes, and yes. Right. Right. Yeah. But when I say on a scale of one to 10, I'm actually opening up a more honest conversation. That's So the funny thing was this, uh, I, you know, I I often talk about these on podcasts. And so this, uh, this radio host at the end, he surprised me. And he said, so how did I do as an interviewer at the, and actually I was like, uh, are we still rolling? <laughs> because I was like, I really like didn't enjoy one, the interview dude. at all. <laughs> Oh, and no. so I said, Should I ask at the end? I'm kind yeah. of afraid to. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if he's gonna. I don't know if he's gonna actually. Uh, he, if he's gonna cut this before it goes to air uh, uh, next month. But he, uh, <laughs> I said six, which is kind of bad, right? Right. And but then I realized one because he looked like he was gonna put it on air. <laughs> but then I realized that uh, you know the reason is because he's a radio host. Like, and if you ever do TV or whatever, I mean, they take you off your script. He knew, he was just, inter- as soon as I would get on a roll, he'd be like, go. Oh, so, off we go, fast, fast, yeah. fast. So yeah, I yeah. said, you know, that's the really re- the reason why I said it was a six. And he was like, okay, and we had a good fun, you know, joke about God, how my, yeah. to- my talking points, I didn't get a single one of them out because he kept taking me uh, taking me on a different direction. So. That seems hard. That's why I'm more conversational because I think it's more fun to be organic and just let, the conversation goes where yeah. go where it goes. You know what I mean. I I, I think I, I personally enjoy this more, um, but I can also see. Actually, I learned a lot just by observing his style. Right. It, I think that in radio and TV, like I don't think it really necessarily works when people are driving in their car or whatever. Gotcha. And I think so. His style is very specific to that medium. So I, it took me a moment. When I said six, but the, I realized that, you know, what that he he does he's this doing because what that's he's works. Supposed I mean, he's to clearly do. successful. He's doing it nationally, and right, you know, people are he, he's you know radio stations are picking up his show because he's getting ratings, right? Right. So, in any case, it was just uh, that scale of one to ten is, um, and and so. Well, that's a, yeah. So that's a really good idea. I like this idea. I totally want to use it. Uh, because it does open up the conversation more to just yes or no. Do you like working with me or not? Do you like it or not? Yes. Okay, great. You know, yep. whereas if somebody said no, they're like, but why? And then it, it, it automatically puts it on a, you know, whereas instead it's like, so scale to one to 10 and whatever they say, like, okay, can you kind of explain that more? It yep. really does open up a conversation. Well, and so here's, that that's a business example. I don't know if you want to go into the deep end of the pool. but uh, The, uh. So when I, after these kind of simultaneous, I was like, I'm going to go away from anything business. I, I mean, I'd read thousands of business books in my life and I was right. like, I'm gonna, I did not read a single business book for three years. I'm going to do everything that I would like, you know, so I got into a lot of new age and really kind of things, but I always kept my CEO practical talk shift, like hat on, right? you know, not going kind of off the deep end. And so I found myself in a lot of weird rooms. Including one time I was in New York uh, at a, I would often be the only person in a workshop who actually had like a, you know, sport coat on. Everyone else is like, you know, sandals. And, you know. <laughs> and so I'm sitting next to this woman in a workshop. I'm like, well, what do you do? She goes, well, I'm a, I'm a, uh, what was it? I'm a sex therapist for uh, alter- people in alternative relationships. And well, you, I'd have a lot of questions after that. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so the interesting, like somewhere along the, you know, sitting in next to each other for um, three days at this workshop is when we ended up talking about this scale of one to 10. She said, you know what? I actually counsel couples 
to actually use that when it comes to really? sex. Really? Because she said if a, if a man asks a woman, you know, like, like gets denied over time, that starts to hurt a relationship. Right. But she said I coach them to say on a scale of one to ten, what's the likelihood that you would be open to um, something this evening? Okay. And like a six is like, well, your mind might be able to be changed. <laughs> and a four is, There's I'll see you tomorrow. Here. Let's have coffee. You know? and, so, and so this is not, this is really how all of the talk shifts are is, hey, this is something you can practice at work. You right. can use it as a boss. You can use it as a coworker. You can use it with your clients. But these are also things that you can use with your children, with your spouse, with your parents. Yeah, so it's uh, that's the thing I think that moves people is that's universe the universality, if that's a word gotcha. of the application. Well, and I feel like it's um, it's non-threatening. It's a non-threatening way of asking a question. Yeah. It, I mean, again, it leaves a lot open, and yeah. so it it opens discussion, and it's not like you're like, tell me yes or no. Right, because that feels. Oh, really? Yeah. I love it. How interesting. Well, the, the other, the second part of that is just to, to you know, is that is the follow up question, right? Okay. So if somebody says, you know, well, the the sex therapist probably wouldn't recommend this, but if somebody says six, right? Um, if it's in a business setting or you know any any other situation, you say, well, what's the difference between a six and nine for you? And people are more likely, right. and specifically the specific talk shift that is, I don't think it's number nine or. 22 or whatever, but the, is the specific words. Cause I said, talk shifts are simple. Say this, not that often they're say it this way because the words have been, you know, very thought through to right. elicit the right. But so what's the difference between a six and a nine for you? What can I start doing? What can I stop doing? Uh, in order to be a nine. So it's very behavioral. It's gotcha. not like be nicer. Like, well, what is be nicer? What can I start doing? Right. You know? Right. So, so what can I start doing and what can I stop doing? Yeah. Which Love interestingly, it. that uh, was an insight that came from uh, a guy named Vern Harnish, who's like one of these, uh, I don't know, he's... Uh, how to describe him? He, he's 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 an entrepreneurial coach. He invented the term gazelles, which is how you describe a company that grows twenty percent per year consistently year gotcha. in year out. So it's kind of like again taking things from the business world, and I could have a conversation with my spouse. And how do you feel about our relationship over the last year? And uh, she says six or seven. Like, well, what's the difference between a seven and a nine right. for you? You know, I can do that. So. It's an example of taking something out of the business world that I did learn from a business book and saying, exactly. how can we apply that in, you know, um, one of the things I do uh, that I usually actually, I, no matter how many times I tell a story, I always get a little emotional even on stage uh, is <laughs> I'm already just thinking. You're going to make me cry. I'm ready. So, <laughs> I do this, I do this exercise on uh, Father's Day that I call the Father's Creed, but it's actually based upon the, this talk shifts assessment that's on my website. Um, but I sit down with my kids and I ask them, you know, there's a series of 10 statements and I ask them on a scale of one. You know, so one is, um, I appreciate and acknowledge you. And I'll sit with them in bed and say, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how did I do in the last year? Yeah, just wow. like my seven-year-old son, you know. Um, yeah, there was one he gave me like a six. And of course, the follow-up question is, what can I start doing or stop doing to be better dad, to be a nine in this? And um, he is, 
seven-year-old says, uh, well, you know what, Dad? I think it was, I think the one of them was, the one specifically that he said this to was, I I seek out your interests and make them mine. And he said, well, Dad, you need to have your own interests. You can't just make all my interests yours. I was like, okay, I guess that's not a bad reason to get a six. Yeah. Yeah. So so these things are kind of, as I said, they're, um, they cross over. Well, that means you're doing a good job, Dad. Congratulations on that. Depends on my ratings. Well, (laughs) we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. I love that. Okay, we are back with Krista. No and it's tissues. Times. No. no, do you want me to get tissues? No Kleenex. I no. promise I'm you good, I won't. I'm good. I don't think <laughs> these will make us cry, but if they do, I'm sure Sam can help us out with tissues. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I love this term leader archaeologist. Yeah. Tell me what that means. So the leadership archaeologist was uh, the, the, the kind of the spirit behind it was about digging deep. Uh, to find kind of secrets that have been sometimes hidden in plain sight. Okay. Um, but also about digging deep inside of ourselves, like because a lot of the secrets, uh, leadership secrets are already kind of inside us. So we just need to dig a little deeper. Gotcha. Um, but so it, it's, it is partly like taking, applying things from the business world, you know, just essentially applying ideas in new contexts, but it's also a good example of a leadership archaeologist secret is there's a book uh, that I read that was written by this peace activist um, in the 70s, was originally published as a workbook. It's been on zero bestseller charts. No one's ever heard about it. It sold millions of copies worldwide, and it was the first book that Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella recommended that all of his executive really? team read upon being named uh, CEO of Microsoft. And the reason why Noah it never went anywhere uh, in terms of like bestseller charts is because it's called nonviolent communication. Oh, so you can imagine sitting on a you know on an airplane. Yeah, you know, it's a great thing to like right. stop a conversation right. on an airplane when you don't want to talk to somebody. <laughs> like, hey, just reading the book nonviolent communication. But it was for me, it was the language of emotional intelligence. I was never an emotionally intelligent or empathetic person. Got you. And I, I realized that, so I was actually, uh, well, clearly I'm, I, now you I are. broke down crying here yes. in the thing, so, so I'm an emotional we, Emotional person, is going, but, but okay. This was the thing of the, uh, um, I didn't have the words to be uh, emotionally intelligent. And this is, yeah, I think, where yeah. the, re- the talk shift message resonates with men, at least, like me. It's like I think women are more naturally emotionally intelligent. And a part of the talk shifts is to give men or people who maybe aren't as uh, empathetic, to give people the words to be able to show emotion and empathy at work. Right. And then, you know, maybe more for women or people who are more empathetic, it's more about giving them the courage to do so. To say it. Yeah. Yeah, to not just choke it down. Right. Love it. And so for me, yeah, it was was the first book that I read. It was easily, of all the books I've read in my entire life, one of the five that I would, you know, recommend anyone. I'll be done. And I haven't haven't heard of it. Never heard of it. You're right. That's interesting. So it's a perfect leadership archaeologist gem. I gotcha. It's been around in plain sight for 20 or 30 years. That's so funny. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's funny about reading. And interestingly, like it it has, (laughs) it has never, there's not a single mention of it in the Harvard Business Review, for example. Wow. And so. And yet. Many people have read it. 
They just aren't telling anybody about it. But not in business. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Got you. All right. So you are, I know the answer to one of these because I was going to ask you about being bilingual. Yes. So we know English, German, French, right? Yeah. I would probably say right, right now I'm probably like 1.75 languages because I've lost them over that the last happens. 10 years. But, but can, you, can you say like, that's awesome in French and German for us? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> C'est magnifique. Uh, C'est magnifique. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. 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 That's German. awesome. Uh, Do we have any the German ideas? would say wunderbar. Wunderbar. That is, oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. All right. Thank you, Christer. <laughs> um, okay. And then, so I also read, I thought this was really interesting because I don't know about this. I don't have 30 employees, but what is the 30 employee ceiling? So I think there's actually multiple ceilings. So the there's a guy, uh, CEO of Rakuten. Rec- they're starting yeah, to do yeah, more yeah. ads. So right. it, was, it was some time ago. He called it the rule of tens and uh, threes and tens. Okay. Which it can apply to anything, but number of customers, you know, number of employees, whatever. And essentially, is like everything breaks between every time you go from three to ten. So three to ten, ten to thirty. 30 to 100, 100 to 300, 300 to 1,000. Every time it's like really? the first number three times. And so uh, my leadership style that works at three needs to be significantly changed at 10 and 10 to 30. And so what I find, and this is, uh, you know, most entrepreneurial, probably the biggest barrier that most entrepreneurs face, uh, you know, after they stay in business, right? Right. Is breaking this 30 employee ceiling. Uh, you see a ton of businesses that just kind of, they bounce around between 15, 25, kind of going up, going down, and just kind of can't break through that ceiling. And a big part of it is because of the leadership style of the entrepreneur. Okay. And my own personal experience going from growing a company from 15 employees to close to 300 in eight countries, uh, I saw how my own style had to change dramatically in order to break through these barriers. Yeah, so actually, yeah. I was on, on the way here. I was got a call from a company to do a keynote speech to 1,300 leaders, all of whom manage 30 people or more, right? And I was like, I, that's my favorite audience because there's always tons of people in that audience who might be managing 100 people, and they still haven't adopted the behaviors that are necessary to break the 30 employee barrier. Because I didn't actually learn these things until we hit close to 100 employees. I was just fortunate to have some great people around me who uh, kind of like, you know, kind of would take the rough edges off a little bit. Gotcha, okay. And and so, so yeah, I think that that's this, uh, there's just so much um, untapped potential in entrepreneurial businesses that are kind of bouncing around in that 15 to 25 employee because they haven't quite yet figured out how to scale beyond 30. Got you. And, and I, I like and the thought the that it has to do with their leadership, that their leadership has to tweak a bit. Yes. It's a, and then like having gone through that, I, I, I know specifically because I saw how I had to change my own behaviors and so how and what exactly I was doing wrong because most people don't, uh, because our growth was kind of over a 20-year period, but we also had periods of fast and slow And what was growth. this business? We should tell everybody what business uh, it So was. it was an event software company. We're considered one of the world leaders in uh, event software. I'm okay. still an owner in the company. Um, after the, it was it was a it was an amicable business divorce at the end. Uh, so I'm still in contact with all of the owners who are my family members. Gotcha. <laughs> and uh, but. Uh, this this thing is what I see is so many entrepreneurs um, in that stage. I had a professor of mine. I went to Indiana University, and my first business idea was like when I was 21 years old. I was working for a company called Booz Allen Hamilton, and I was like, 
I wanted to quit three months after I started. It was like literally a dream job for a Harvard MBA. I'm 21 years old and I have like the dream job. I quit because I wanted to start a business because it was like the internet. <laughs> and my professor uh, of entrepreneurship from Indiana University drove up to Chicago to hear my business idea. We're in the Drake Hotel. And uh, he said, Christopher, I've got some advice for you. I think you should go back and take your job at Booz Allen. And his point was, he said, Christopher, do you know what the difference between uh, what's the what's the worst thing that can happen to somebody uh, in business? And he said, well, you can fail. And he goes, and I, he said, no, failure is the second worst, you know, the second worst thing. The worst thing is actually to not be successful because you get trapped inside of your own business. And I see uh... so many entrepreneurs who are kind of, just enough financial success, not great, but right. they have like 20 or, you know, 10 or 15 or five employees whose livelihood is dependent on their business. Mm -hmm. They uh, maybe have just enough debt that they can't close it down and do something else. They're making uh, not a, you know, not the wild living that many of their employees think they're making. <laughs> um, and they're, and they're essentially trapped in their own business after, you know, years and years. And so getting through this kind of 30 employee ceiling, um, I mean, there's really two paths. You either purposely create kind of a lifestyle business where, you know, we're going to create a 10, 5, 10, 15 right. person company and exactly. keep it manageable. Or you've got to get through that 30 person barrier uh, because uh, otherwise you risk becoming trapped. Interesting. So, I d thank you for explaining all that. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of people working know. in these like, you know, 10, 15, 20 person companies that don't realize that uh, maybe it's not a, maybe not, a, it's not all, it's not all it's cracked up to be being at the top of the, you know, at the food chain. Yeah. I have a little company and I like it. I guess so I'm a life, I never thought of it as a lifestyle though. I just thought of it as a fun company that I get to <laughs> hang out with cool people and do whatever we're doing, you know, when it comes to marketing. Hey, but yeah. I love it. I'm doing the lifestyle thing now too. So yeah, good. lifestyle's good. Lifestyle's good, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Christopher, thank you so much. Tell us how people can find out more about you. The uh, best thing to learn about TalkShifts is go to TalkShift.com slash quiz. Okay. TalkShift.com <laughs> slash quiz. <laughs> and uh, the assessment there is a good way to kind of step into it. Okay. Um, it's based upon the greatest turning point I had as a leader was I did a 360 evaluation. And uh, it was the day that I discovered that I was actually kind of a jerk to work for. So most 360 evaluations, uh, especially for small companies, there's like a $1,000 setup cost and you spend kind of $100 per person. This is completely free. It's no charge. You can go, you can take it, and then you can send an email link out to five to 10 people around you, 20 people, 30 people, however many people you want, family, friends. And this 360 that I did included both family as well as people from work. And it was, uh, it was, it was definitely the biggest turning point in my career. That's uh, awesome. Because I found out that while I thought I was a great leader, I had a lot of work to do. So please. Well, good for you for doing it. Yeah. Putting awareness to it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's already starting to change lives. I got an email the other day. I, you know, I see sometimes uh, some of the emails come through when people take the test. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, I think uh, I think the assessment just shifted a marriage today because Ooh. I could see that the husband and wife took it. I saw their scores and their scores of each other. And uh, of course it says, Hey, here's your scores. You know, we, it's all confidential. So right. nothing shared with people. Um, but you know, it says, you know, maybe you want to sit down and 
talk about the differences between how people scored themselves right. and how you scored them. And so uh, that's kind of like how it's impacting people's lives, both at work, because the same thing happens with bosses and right. coworkers and whatever. Right. But Love it. That's it. Well, thank you, Krista, for being here today. Thank you. And sharing all great. this great information. Ten. You're, you're going to ask the question. Ten, ten. Ten. I got a ten. Ten. Yes. All right. Because I actually got my talking points. <laughs> No, no, it was, it was a good mix of but you also back talk. and forth. I mean, you know, the yeah. worst is for a podcaster is when the person doesn't talk. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm yeah. going to have to talk a lot right now. So thank you. Well, we covered a lot of things. I was, I did not actually have any notes or anything, and you know, but so it wasn't. I didn't have like prepared talking points. No, but, you're uh, not supposed to for this one. This is easy going. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. Cool. And Thanks a lot. for people to learn more about you, they can also go to Christer.com. Christer.com. Well, yep. talkshift.com goes to Christer.com. It's awesome just easier sauce. people because Christer is not the easiest to spell. Although like if you it. Google any spelling of Christer, I, I'll, you'll probably find me. Yeah, right. Awesome. There's not so many of them in the world. Unless you're in Sweden, <laughs> then they're everywhere. Then they're everywhere, but not in the U.S. Not in the U.S. There's gotcha. only one in St. Louis. Yeah. I've not met him. I'm going to, I'm actually going to. You should. I'm gonna, I'm I gonna found another Mish in St. Louis and there's, there's really? hardly another. Uh, yeah. I'm right. I'm going to call him. I, was, I actually was thinking about that. Let's go out and have Christer drinks. Yeah. You know, right? Exactly. All right. Thank you, cool. sir. Everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash. Love you all. Have wonderful days. Bye. Bye.